Okay, I got behind my little tablet here an image, a three-dimensional image of God. Are you ready? Sitting down. So God doesn't maybe look like this cheesy little alarm clock, no offense, but God does function like this because God woke me up this morning. And I know this because this is something that happened to me, but it also is something that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people like to say this, God woke me up this morning, and I want to dig into what that really means and why God is doing something, not just, hey, I'm going through my life and things are a little hard now, so can I ask you for a little help to add, tack on to this life that I'm living, but that God is doing, the divine is doing the essential work that, that allows us to be, just like, just like this clock wakes you up in the morning. But obviously when I pulled this out, it's cheesy because why would you compare a divine deity to some, something that can just make a little noise in the morning? So how is God's waking us up mean more than that? How is it something that is absolutely at the core of what life is all about? Well, for that, we're going to get to the very beginning of sacred scripture, the beginning of Genesis, and that's the beginning of Swedenborg's Secrets of Heaven. Uh, We were just in the margin this whole time, and here we're going to talk about the very first morning, the very first waking that ever happens, and how this is a picture of how you and I get woken up from something much more meaningful than just it being dark outside. All right, we're going to be in Genesis 1, 5, because we're talking about how there was evening and there was morning the first day. So we've got these two elements. We've got our evening and we've got our morning. The very first day that ever happened, the first day inside of us when we first wake up as well, what are these two things spiritually? We know what they are physically, but what is this when it's talking about the evening and the morning of your soul? From this we can now see what evening and morning mean. Okay, I feel like this is going to be relevant to our highlighted entries. Evening is every preliminary stage because such stages are marked by shadow or by what's shadow? I get that shadow is blocking light, but we're obviously not talking about blocking light here. Falsity and an absence of faith. A couple of things we got to pick apart here. Headline. This is talking about this first day, it's in the creation story. You think it's talking about like maybe this is what happens to the planet when it's first formed, although how could it really be formed in those days? But here we have all of a sudden we're talking about falsity and an absence of faith. Can can the solar system have those? Is that talking about a rock out in space? This is us. Falsity and an absence of faith happen within human consciousness. They are subjective in the way that we experience them. This is inside you. This is the universe, the creation, the world inside of us. And that that is always what scripture is talking about. Because why would I open this book that is God's communication line to me and the first whole flip and flip to try to get to anything about you, where you are, you got to learn about the the way that creation started. Now, this this is you. This is your story. And we move out of evening. The evening we're trying to get out of is falsity and the absence of faith. So it's an evening inside of us. 
when we can't see what's true and we don't have that guiding light. I'll tell you a quick story. When was the last time that you actually were stuck in the dark? Where you wished it was light and it was dark? Not often. We got light switches and everything, but I had something. This was several years ago. And I was on a hike with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and we were in these mountains and we hadn't been there before. And, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to take. And before we got done this trail, the sun had set. And so it was dark and we didn't know how to get back to our car. And I, and luckily, we found a road and were able to move up that and get to the car. We weren't that far away, but for a few moments there, I really felt this primal f- feeling of, well, I don't know where to go. This was actually pre-cell phone, <laughs> believe it or not. So we didn't have an easy way to like, okay, I'm going to call someone. I've got Google Maps. So you have this, I, I am totally disoriented and I'm at the mercy of, of this and I don't have my guiding light. I don't have my way to know where to go. That can, have you ever felt like that even when the lights are on? Have you ever felt like you've lost your bearings and like you don't really know how to navigate the path that you're on? That could be because we've got falsity and we've got this absence of faith. That we don't have that guiding, those signs telling us where to go and we don't even know the lay of the land anymore. So what brings us out of that? Mourning is all later stages. Because these are marked by light or by truth and religious knowledge. So the signposts in our mind, you know, head this way. When you're feeling like, look at that beautiful sign, wouldn't you want to walk through the woods and see that? When you are sitting there and not knowing how to address a situation, you have a moral dilemma, you have an existential crisis, you are wondering who you are and what you're doing, you're wondering what life is, you're wondering what you should do next. This, you can call it religious knowledge, you could call it spiritual knowledge, you could call it higher truths. The, the real description of what life is, reinforced here by truth, like this is the essential element of it, this is the particulars, that's going to tell you where to go. That that is when we are wandering, even you can snap into it in a minute or two, that you can suddenly not get where you are as you go through the day, something, some bad news hits you or something, or some kind of worry pops up and you don't know where you are. The truth, the spiritual principles, these point the way. This is when morning comes and you feel that, oh wait, I'm going to be okay. That dawn. Evening in general, stands in general for And okay, this is this major plot twist. Evening stands in general for everything that is our own, while morning stands for everything of the Lord's. Wait a second, what are you trying to say about me? So I'm in my evening when I'm in everything that is my own, and morning is everything that is the Lord's, so I don't have any of this light in this truth. I thought I did. Well, I would say don't take it personally and just think about it for a second. This is exactly the situation that we're in that I was in on my hike. Because let's talk about the earth and the sun. You got the sun out here, this seemingly inexhaustible supply of boundless energy 
and power. And then you've got the earth, which is totally remarkable. And in the, in the universe, as far as we know, it has tons of life and beauty and nuance and complexity is an awesome thing. However, all of that is completely driven by the sun. That all this life that we find around us, every all these green plants, if the sun disappeared, it would be a matter of what? How long would it take? What, like a, a couple of days? Maybe some would hang on for a week with no light at all. And don't forget the warmth. That it's only because we're close enough to the sun that we are not at whatever the temperature of space is, negative cold degrees. The life, the light, everything that powers life absolutely comes from the sun. Before you had electricity and you're sitting out there, you just have to wait till the sun rose, right? So everything, this light, the morning is the sun's. The warmth and the light is the sun's. So it is that we are sitting there beautiful and great and ready to be activated and full of potential, but it's got to be that the, what's the Lord's comes into us to, to bring that to life, to allow the photosynthesis of the spirit. As David says, for example, and here we get into Swedenborg. will go and cite Bible passage after Bible passage, and he's doing two things here. One is, yes, he's showing you, he's positing, is that what that means? That evening and morning have this particular meaning in the Bible, and he's trying to show you, look, I'm not just pulling this out of a hat. This is backed up by the way these terms are used here in the text, here in the text, here in the text, here in the text. But also, in his day, biblical knowledge was currency. Even in academia, you had to know the Bible inside and out. And also people were saying, hey man, you are bringing this view of the Bible that's saying that many paths can lead to heaven and that it's, it's, it's not about judging your neighbor and all this stuff that today we're like, yeah, but back then was controversial. And he was saying, look, I'm not some rogue. I'm not making up my own doctrine. I am taking, I am finding the Lord inside this text and bringing it to you. This is already here. So that's why we're about to embark on a number of quotes here. But see, so, and, but this is also a chance for you. If I'm telling you it's evening and morning, that they mean these states inside of us. You, do you see it in the text? You, you be the judge. As David says, for example, this, by the way, is back to this tension between what is our own and what is the Lord's. You know, what, how much do we need this spiritual light, spiritual heat? The Spirit of Jehovah has spoken in me. Okay, sounds like that is something good coming through in us, and his words are on my tongue. And who wouldn't want to, yeah, you know, God's, God's words are on our tongue. Yeah, you want that. The God of Israel has said, the rock of Israel has spoken to me. He is like the morning light when the sun rises, like a morning when there are no clouds, when because of brightness, because of the rain, the tender grass springs from the earth. And it's cool there that you've got kind of the marriage of the brightness from the sun and the rain from the earth, and that's what brings this life. Since evening is when there is no faith, this is what God is waking us up out of, this state and... and morning is when there is faith, then the Lord's coming into the world is called morning. So how many times are you waking up in the morning? How many mornings are you, have you had today? 
What have been your big mornings over the past couple of weeks? When is God coming in and saying, beep, beep, hey, you're in this state of falsity and no faith. I'm going to bring you some light. I'm going to bring you some truth so that suddenly you understand, you're comforted, you're reoriented, you're redirected. This is what, these are these little comings of the Lord into each of our lives. The period in which he came being a time of no faith is called evening. And isn't that funny? Sorry, I know I'm pausing a lot here, but there's quite a lot to think about. You have, you might think what we're trying to do is get rid of the evening. We're about to talk about that with a compact in a minute. We've got to get rid of the evening. That's the point. But that's when the Lord comes, that we do go on this little day-night cycle where we have to get to a point where, you know, we've we've sort of bottomed out, sort of hit bottom before we can feel ourselves get lifted up and really recognize the morning for the, the joy it is, you know. I, I've never been in a situation where I needed morning to come in order for that light to, to show me the way. I was a little close on my hike, but we just found the car. But I can imagine if you were really, let's say, like doing a night watch way back in the day and the sun coming meant that you were safe, you would understand that the, jo- the joy of the sun and really understand how dependent you are on it. When we understand that about God, that is how we get saved from all of our troubles because that belief is impervious to all of our worries. They all try to get at you and say, you got to be worried. But if you know, hey, I'm just orbiting this big, giant, friendly, warm light thing that's going to take care of all my needs. It's hard to argue with that. The period in which he came being a time of no faith is called evening. And Daniel, the Holy One said unto me, up till the day's second evening when it becomes morning, 2,300 times. Morning in the word is similarly taken to mean every coming of the Lord, so that it is a word for being created anew. God woke me up in the morning. It wasn't just that God... What is the, it wasn't just that God made, made me return to consciousness, which is great. Thank you for that. But what is waking up? We know, everybody knows this. Every tradition, every pop culture, every societal movement, it's like, wake up, wake up. We're trying to say, wake up, get with it. There is something going on. You got to understand it. Hey, you're, you're, or you say, look, I'm trapped in this. Just watch any movie. I'm trapped in some self-centered small box of a life and something wakes you up. To what's really going on. God woke me up. God recreated me. God took me from being uh, in this darkness, in this, you know, inverted prioritization state to just like the beauty of, oh yeah, this is what, this is what life is really about. God woke me up this morning. That is a wake up that uh, is, is way better than, oh, I gotta get up now and go do something. This is like, Oh, yeah, I am full of life, and I understand now what it's all been for. Nothing is more... Okay, so we're being created anew, and now Swedenborg is going to take us... We've established that we've got this evening and morning, you know? you got the evening and the morning, and this is a, a principle. But here he's saying, I want to back up and establish a... Well, I'm going to say foundation, but I already drew this above. This is a prior prerequisite to this being true, is you've got to believe that the Bible is using things that 
could that sound like they're describing specific lengths of time to actually describe states of mind. Because as I was saying before, the Bible is all about, and this is, when I say the Bible, the Bible is one iteration of God's Word, and so it's really a picture of what God is all about, and God is all about what's going on for you. Like, I, I care about what's in your heart and in your mind and what matters for you. So we are saying that this is not just about a period of t- 12 hours for a day or night. doesn't mean anything, because you can have a really good 12 hours, you can have a really bad one, you can be happy at night, you can be miserable during the day. This is about a corresponding state in you. So we have to establish here that in the Word, because remember, People here when Swedenborg is publishing are sitting there waiting to clamp on and say, you don't know what you're talking about from the Bible. We've got to be able to establish that a day is something more than just what's on a clock. A day is, this is the way a spiritual concept is being communicated to us. It's about a state. Nothing is more common in the word than for a day to be understood as meaning the times. It's so divorce it from the structure of it's got to be this many minutes. The day of Jehovah is near. Look, the day of Jehovah is coming. I will shake heaven and the earth will tremble right out of its place. On the day when my anger blazes up, the time of his coming is near and its days will not be postponed. It's really like, okay, I'm going to do all this in 24 hours. Of course, we're talking poetically. We're talking correspondentially in the same prophet. In the days of old, she was old. So this is just talking about back in, back in the day, they even say. It will happen on that day that Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, corresponding to the days of the one king. Don't worry about Tyre right now. Worry about the fact that it's talking about a state of mind. Because a day stands for a time period. It is also taken to mean the state we are in during that period. And this is it. So you have God who is talking about you. And because God is only really interested, the only thing God is interested in is bringing each one of us individually into happiness. Because that's all, making conscious beings happy is the only thing that really has any value. And that's the only thing that God is really about. So, yes, we have this idea of the text says day, which is used to signify this state of mind, but really it only matters what, or this, this state in us, but it only matters what is going on in us during that state, because that is what the whole of God is about. Is What does this mean in your life, and, and what can we do for you? So in Jeremiah, he's saying, Doom to us, for the day has faded, for the shadows of evening have lengthened. If you were just going with a natural 12-hour night, it's, come on, Jeremiah, the day has faded. Come on, you haven't been through night before? No, he's saying, look, have you ever been in this? Ah, I'm, this is a, this, I feel like I'm in doom right now. The day, there's no light. There's no truth. The shadows of evening have lengthened. Yeah. And the cool thing is you realize you're in that state. If we can just feel like, wow, instead of I'm just reacting and lashing out at people and despairing, I realize, oh, I'm, I'm in like an evening state where it's night right now inside of me. And I need to watch for the coming of the sun. That's pretty good, just to realize that. In the same prophet, if you nullify my compact with the day and my compact with the night, so that there is no daytime or night at their times, which, by the way, we were talking about this compact before. This is saying, look, yes, I I know you just want to eliminate the night and just stick with the day, but guess what? I have something I want to do in the day, and I have something 
I want to do in the night. I wouldn't let a night happen to you if it weren't, you know, that what we described before, this up and down. Where is that thing? Way, way, way up here. Oh, yeah, look at that. Worth returning to. If it wasn't that the night brought us to the point where the day can really accomplish what it needs to accomplish, I wouldn't be doing it. Don't worry. I've got a, I've got a use for both of them. And again, renew our days as in ancient times. So we've got the morning, we've got the evening, we've got God waking us up. This is really going to talk about how God wakes us up and what it feels like to be spiritually awake. Next verse, and God said, Let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it exist to make a distinction among the waters in the waters. We were going night, 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 now we're uh, night and day, night and day, now we're waters, waters, waters. But this is actually still talking about you. It's not talking about H2O, and it's talking about what happens when daylight hits. The next step, and the next step in our regeneration, in our being created anew, occurs after the Spirit of God. Which was the Spirit of God? The Lord's mercy. As I said, helping conscious beings. Mercy is God seeing that we need assistance and offering assistance, and that that really is the Spirit of God, because that is what love is. That's the noble, most noble thing that exists. Brings out into daylight Okay, what is it like? So we're, we're coming out of our evening and our night. Brings into daylight the knowledge of truth and goodness. So let's get a really high-end list here. What is the knowledge of truth and goodness? God woke me up. What am I seeing when I open my eyes? And provides the first glimmering that the Lord exists. When you're in your night state, when you're feeling lost on the trail. Maybe you've already had this idea that there is God at some point, but it slipped from from your mind. It seems like whatever problem is facing you is going to overwhelm you, but then you're just remembering of, oh, wait, God exists. And not just lip service, but that I would say that God, that the Lord is real. Because you can just say, oh, God exists, but but... You know, how often do we really believe it? But you get these moments where it becomes self-evident or it becomes powerful and you just, oh, wow, yeah, that's like really God is here. That is, oh, that is so relaxing. That is so, it's being, it's being rescued. There's no feeling like being rescued. So we get in our morning, we've opened our eyes, the Lord exists. What else? That he is goodness and truth itself. So not just that God exists. Fine, God could exist, but he could be on the side of my troubles. He could be causing me more problems. He could be angry at me. He could be ineffective. He could be just some uh, sort of clockwork deity. That he is goodness and truth itself. That that light you're feeling hit you. That, That truth, the goodness that stirs your soul, that is God right there with you both that God is kind and on your side, but also that everything that is bringing goodness into your life is, is God. So God is right there with us and doing stuff. And that nothing good or true except what, and that nothing is good or true except what comes from him. 
we had our chance to run around with stuff that's not coming from the Lord, with like our ego ambitions uh, to, to be better than the person next to us, with our little, you know, our, our little antisocial, I'm going to enjoy this, getting back at this person, I'm going to trust in my own prudence. We, we can run around and try that stuff. And eventually it gets to the point where you're saying, no, actually the lifestyle that God is offering this, I'm going to, I'm going to care for you and all the hairs of your head are numbered. That is really, really much better. <laughs> the spirit of God then makes a distinction between the inner and the outer being and between the religious knowledge we possess in our inner selves and the secular knowledge belonging to our outer selves. Don't sleep on this last part because you see here this marriage of what is practical and external and then what is in, internal and sublime. So you have the religious knowledge, which is part of this day. Day is breaking that we possess in our inner self, this, this knowledge that God exists, this knowledge that love is uh, you know, the most important thing, this knowledge that providence or the guidance of the divine is going to lead us to what is good and true, and that what we're called to do is love the neighbor and look for ways to act on behalf of this divine love. All of that's in there, but then the secular knowledge belonging to our outer selves. When you can take that motivation and that insight and that awakeness and not just be thinking about it in the morning and then go off and live your day, but when that comes into this harmony with the stuff that you know about how to do the dishes and take out the trash and run a meeting and interact with your neighbor and try to maintain a life, then that is a fully awakened being. When the spiritual and the natural are holding hands and together being this receiver, reflector of the, you know, God's light and truth, when the sun is shining right through you, when you're like a, a prism, you ever see those that, of course you've seen them, light comes in, <clears throat> rainbows everywhere. That is when God has really woken us up. That is when God woke you up in the morning. When we come out of our state of obscurity and fear and doubt and revenge and everything negative into this acknowledgement, oh, God exists. There is really goodness and truth. I'm, I can rely on this thing and I can connect with it and it will protect me. And now I can use that in everything that I do. That is the divine alarm clock. And uh, it's awesome. <laughs> and that's the news from heaven. Thanks, everybody. What do you think? Leave a comment. I'd love to know, has God waken you? How, how has God woken you, waken you? Man, this is a tough one to do. Up, what's that mean? And, uh, and how are you going to take that out into your life? Thank you so much for hanging out and getting to explore this a little bit with me. And uh, we'll see you on the next show. Mm -hmm.